Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about comedy, games, and we have part two of our interview with Grant Maiden from the Essex Wildlife Trust. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of The Kindness Project. I am joined by a man who is a lover of the almond milk and a lady. A lady? A lady? Woman. A woman. A woman. And no trouble like trouble. No. Oh, you know what? I saw that. Oh, and a woman who is a lover of the coconut milk. It's, it's Charlotte Dames. Now, I know, right? I'll tell you what I watched the other day, Russ. Um, I rewatched Life on the Road, uh, the David Brent movie that the, uh, uh, Ricky Gervais made a uh, few years ago. And I know that pe- some people aren't into like that sort of cringe comedy, um, but I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. How do you feel about cringe comedy, Russ? I've, I've never seen that one, but I don't mind, I don't mind a bit of comedy, so... What's your favourite? I'll tell you what I really got into during lockdown. Lee Max not going out. Lee Max not going out. That that imparts. I, I mean, number one, I like Lee Mac. I think Lee Mac, but weirdly, I think Lee Mac is better stand up than yeah. um, than uh, sitcom. You know what? is amazing about Lee Mack it's not going out it's got one of my favourite favourite comedians in a guy called Tim Vine yeah and Tim uh, I think is he still in it or yeah he's still a... in it yeah yeah so Tim oh, no, Vine not the, more, not the more recent episodes he was the brother of the landlord right now just the mum and dad are in it fair enough and, but Tim Tim Vine is uh, just in his stand-up, he just does literally pun after pun after pun after yeah. pun. And we saw him at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival a few years ago. And literally, he one of his jokes was him smashing a poppadom on the front of the sc- yeah. screen and just going, that, my friends, is the hardest puzzle in the world. The other comedy I like is uh, Would I Lie to You? Oh, so yeah, I think, I think, I think that is good. Yeah, what do you like, comedy wise? Um, I like whose line is it anyway? Oh, yes. Uh, Mock the week. Um, uh, what else do I like? You haven't thought of doing any stand-up, Russ? No. I mean, I I think you just talking about your hot head for twenty minutes <laughs> would be would go down as storm. Listen, I'll put this uh, other one away this week. So. Sorry, he's say again. Nothing from me. He said okay. he's put his shovel away. <laughs> no, honestly, I think you should consider a bit of stand-up. I think it'd be good. Um, what do you like, comedy-wise, Sophie? Sophie's joining us. Today. I'm sorry, I'm joined by a girl who isn't drinking coconut milk, but is drinking fruity water. Fruity water. <laughs> She's having a fruity water, ladies and gents. Um, it, Sophie, what fruit is in the water? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All LGBTQIA. <laughs> sorry, is that an LBG? Uh, sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting this wrong. LGBTQIA. I, I said it was fruity. That's why. She's... Oh, okay. <laughs> she's thinking. Of... Is it? Has it got more LBG? L- 
I always get that wrong. I always get that wrong. There's too many letters to it. That's right. I mean, when it was LGBT, no, I still can't get that right. When it, when it was just LGBTQ, I was fine. But there is the I and the I and the plus, and and I, 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 I'm getting confused, Rose. Do you? Uh, yeah. I think I think we need a gender conversation resolved, to be honest. Um, right, let's move on very quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, and let's talk about um, the question of the podcast. And today's question of the podcast is one that's very close to my heart. It's one of my favourite subjects. Kids games. And what is the best game you played as a kid? For me, Russ, it was British Bulldog. Yeah. What was it for you, Charlotte? We're talking like games you played in the field. So you can <laughs> games. It could be games you play in the field. It could be games you play in the street, or it could be games you played on your computer, or it could be games you played on a board, on a table. Um. But as a kid. I used to quite enjoy pretend sword fighting. Pretend sword fighting. <laughs> Who did you used to play with? People. People. <laughs> People. Charlotte likes the pretend... likes a sword. <laughs> <It's so laughs> well, this is interesting. Should we talk about uh, you and Sophie's relationship when it comes to swords? Who wants to explain it? Is it Sophie or is it us? Go on and explain the sword thing. <laughs> when Russell comes to my house, <laughs> I had a fun sword that I got from Lego and I hit him on the head with it. Literally, <laughs> as soon as Russell comes into uh, the Dames household and he sits on the sofa and all he wants to do is chill because he works hard as Russ, all he wants to do is relax, <laughs> suddenly this sword appears from nowhere. We may not have seen the sword for, for months, but suddenly it turns up and Russ is getting poked. This doesn't find the sword last time. She attacked me with a roll of Christmas paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you will use other stuff about the sword, won't you? I think the important thing, as opposed to the, <laughs> that, that's that's you sort of next time, Russ. If we can't find the salt or the Christmas paper, apparently bamboo is going to be used. Oh, well, oh, this is like, this is like this is like a torture camp. She's going to end up having a sweet. Sorry, what are you two talking about? Shoes. You're going to punch Russ. You're going to poke grass with a show. No, we watched a film together. It was and, anime. And then the, the dad saw the little girl wasn't wearing shoes and he just went, no shoes. And, and he slapped her and cut her down. He's got a bad influence, and he is on kids these days. I don't know what is going on. Oh, that was a good film, though. I don't know what is going on. But can can I just say, my... She got left behind at my, my oh, I've been there. playground game uh, consisted of basically running <laughs> and sitting on my computer, very similar to me doing now, okay? Your playground game was what, Buzz? I, d- I didn't really have a playground game. Okay. But what uh, was you like? What was your I, I, did, I did like a bit of sensible world of soccer. 
Exactly. So again, similar to what you like. To and do and now. the original Final Fantasy was. Oh, well, uh, final, I found the original Final Fantasy a bit finicky because it just took you back to the beginning. Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy Seven was good. That's the one I got into. Very sad. But Russell's not changed so much. Where he likes to play uh, uh, football on his computer. That's what was great. your game? I like to play on my swords, and now I play Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly. So, so if, uh, Charlotte likes playing with swords, and now she likes playing D and D. One of Sophie's many playground games is just poking you with a stick. What does that say about what she's going to do when she gets older? I mean, I don't know. It's not a not a good sign, is it? Let's be honest. Um, but we are um, we are really looking forward to hearing from you, listener, about what your um, favourite games of kid is, yeah. um, and uh, keep it as wide and as you know uh, colourful as you want. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether anybody's going to say, say, poke my uncle with a salt, um, but it's it, it could be there. Sorry, so I've gone to say something. When you said listener, are you saying that there's only one person that listens? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not. We have got uh, quite a few listeners, haven't we, Ralph? So it's... It's definitely more than one. Touching 120,000 downloads. Now. Amazing, great stuff. Yeah, it's doing really, really well. Uh, and on that note, let's give it the our listeners what they want and um, give. You saying the first... they don't want to listen to this? <laughs> I think that's probably part of the reason they tune in. Um, but let's give our listeners what they want and give them the first bit of kindness news. And this is. Girls soccer team goes from biggest loser to top division after dad starts coaching. A girls soccer team has gone from losing 20-0 each week to winning promotion to the top division after dad started coaching them. League Town Devils under 15 were getting routinely trashed every time they turned out until Stuart Henley stepped in two years ago. The 41-year-old car valetor took the job when the previous manager quit because no one else would and he's transformed the team's fortunes. With the help of a 50-year-old assistant, Ivan Austin, also a parent, they renamed the team the Devils and started training hard in February 2020. The team, who used to be called Golden Hill, now win regularly and secure promotion for next year after finishing second in the uh, division. Sure, from Stoke on in England, credits off-field bonding sessions like quizzes and focuses in training the basics. Now, I wonder, in terms of any sort of team game, how important is that not, not only the... Like getting getting the training down on the pitch, but just feeling more like a team. Do you reckon that's important? Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of lot of books lately. Okay, and yeah, it, it seems quite important that bonding element. And what books uh, have you been listening to? to well, I'm, I'm just finishing mindset now, and it was quite important in that that you had that team element. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That bonding element. Yeah, 100%. Well, look, everything gets done, like, every success in life is achieved with other people, isn't it? That's the reality of it. And part of the reason that we talk about uh, kindness on the podcast is because 
the better the relationship you've got with other people, the better that you'll get, just simply get sucked up. So yeah. I think I think that's really important. Um, and it sounds like Stuart's really got this team moving. Uh, after a few good few weeks, we got down to training and they really started to take it in. And I've, my ethos has been on doing the basic stuff well and letting the girls decide what they feel they need to work on rather than dictate sessions myself. Stuart's first session was blighted by the pandemic, which forced him and Ivan to get creative with training. They organised team building activities with the girls to help them bond on and off the field. Um, the 2021 season was really stop and start with the pandemic. It did give us the opportunity to train really well as a team. At first came together when we were at home, we scored a goal and it was like winning the World Cup. Watching their faces light up with great sin. Although we lost the game, we didn't care because we uh, the goal was a, a sign of process. There's a really good... Um, um, uh, uh, there's a video uh, I saw on Twitter the other day of a guy called Stuart Dick. Um, and he was a Olympic coach. Why, why are you laughing at um, uh, He was an Olympic coach. And he was talking about the fact that a win is just getting a little bit better every day. Like, like it's not being the next Usain Bolt. It's just like challenging yourself to be better. So that's really, really important. Next game, they won the game and then went on an unbeaten run of eight games with a win, um, uh, uh, but not losing. And, and next, they just drew one fixture. Uh, the team star player, 15-year-old Chelsea, is also impressed individually becoming the top scorer um, in the particular league, uh, league. So loads of good stuff happening there. You know, getting kids out and active, uh, building teams and, you know, turning, um, turning the team that wasn't going particularly well into success. Next, this is from the BBC. Kind Nottingham stranger leaves £20 to pay for parking fine. A woman said she was overwhelmed after a stranger left money on her car to help pay for a fine. Selena Mills got a ticket from the machine in the car park in Map Early Top, Nottingham, on Tuesday, which allowed her to stay free for two hours. On her return, she found she had been fined £25 due to her ticket blowing over, but she also found £20 in a note saying, from one mum to another. After posting her thanks on Facebook, she tracked down the mystery donor. The mother of two of Bakersfield, Nottingham, said she thought the ticket might have blown over when she shut the door. She said she had sobbed when she read the stranger's note. I think she has restored my faith in humanity. The 37-year-old, who is a deputy manager of two children's care homes, said, I felt really overwhelmed, happy, and my heart felt full. I just want to thank her for choosing me for an act of kindness. It had a big impact on my day. She said she would challenge the fine, but regardless of whether she has to pay, she said she would keep sharing the love and make someone else's day as happy as I absolutely love that. You know, just yeah, helping somebody out and showing that actually we're in a position where um, collectively we can all help each other. Really, really nice. And on that note, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna move on to part two of the interview with Grant uh, Grant Madsen from the Essex Wildlife Trust. He's talking about how we can make sure that uh, we are helping not only uh, ourselves and, and, and looking at kindness, and I think Dexter knows, but talking about helping 
uh, animals in our environment as well. Let's listen to the second part of the interview. I suppose, I suppose the, I suppose the element is as you as you alluded to earlier, that element where, you know, there are more houses being built. Um, uh, and and there's always that pressure on housing stock, but is it worth it in sacrifice of that? And, and you've got to argue no, haven't you? You know, yeah. Like, sort of. But it's also thinking about I don't know. So, uh, let's use an example. Um, if 600 houses were built on um, an area where it was intensively agricultural for a hundred or so years, yeah, yeah. all the hedges have been cut down and all yeah, the yeah. trees have been cut down, etc. So these 600 houses are put on this this development. It wasn't maybe good quality agricultural land uh, in the end because yeah. it had been over-agriculturalised. Say we influence every one of those 600 houses to have a pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To put up uh, bird boxes, bat boxes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. To reinstate some of the um, hedgerows, uh, plant trees on those sites and mm. everything. Uh, put in hedgehog runs so yeah. the gravel boards have a little um, sort of area where the yeah, hedgehog yeah, yeah, can go through yeah, the gravel yeah. board. So we create wildlife corridors and everything. We put in buddleia for the butterflies and everything. Mm. Then suddenly that intensively agriculturalised area, yes, it's 600 houses, but it becomes a haven for wildlife. Well, I mean, it's really interesting because <laughs> one, of, one of the things that um, uh, happened during lockdown is one of my neighbours, um, funny enough, and we're looking sort of uh, at like 2021 where everything had eased off, knocked on our door. And uh, he said, I said, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? And how's lockdown been? He went, I learned a new skill in lockdown. I was like, okay, interesting. Tell me more. He went, um, I'm now a beekeeper. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so what he did, he bought two hives and started making his own honey. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, this this is amazing. Can, can we come over and take a look? Now... I think the fascination with animals, as you uh, as you alluded to, it starts when you're a kid. Yeah. So I said to my uh, nine-year-old then, you know, let's go over and sort of... So, yeah, went over to, to, to my neighbours across the road. And it's great because we're backing on to A County Park, actually the... Um, the floor, the the bees fly over. Yeah. The bees fly over. Well, they don't and, see and, the boundaries. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so they just, they just, they yeah. just fly over and, and 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 sort of pollinate and then and then fly back. Um, and it was really funny because we went to we went to see the um, the hives and he was yeah had his beekeeping outfit on. Uh, he had a full beekeeping outfit for my daughter because he said like I want to make sure she's safe. Yep. Uh, but I've only got a helmet for you, Chris. So watch, <laughs> watch your arms. And I was like. Well, this this could be a bit dodgy, um, but yeah, loved it. You know, yeah. he showed us that you know that this is what you look out for mm. and stuff. And it's like, and then we'll come on to this. But the education mm. on animals and the fact that you just don't know no. this stuff no. is fascinating. And you don't it? know what um, comes into your garden either. I mean, I um, I was talking to one of our trustees about uh, eleven years ago, and he's known as the Badger Man. Right. And um, he's got a, a badger set near his garden, and he's, yeah. he's put an outside hide to view these badgers and everything. And I said, oh, I'll have to pop over. And he said, yeah, he said, well, by all means. He said, but actually, have you ever thought of throwing some peanuts out in your own back garden? And I thought, why would I do that? So he said, well, you never know, you know. Yeah. So my wife and I, um, I had to persuade my wife with a bottle of wine uh, <laughs> because she wasn't so interested. But we, we sat out uh, in, the, in the back garden, lit some candles, scattered peanuts all over the lawn, 
felt a little bit silly. Why are we doing this in an urban garden? But I knew that the fences weren't all secure, so there's yeah. there places for um, for things to come in and out. Um, as I say, it's about 11 years ago now. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, when we were falling asleep after the second bottle of wine, and uh, suddenly this stripy face appeared from uh, the back of the pond. Amazing. And a badger wandered into the garden, started snuffling up the peanuts, then there was a second one, a third one, and a fourth one. Love it. So we had four badgers in our urban garden. Yeah. And they'd obviously come from a set nearby. We live near some ancient woodland, but we were still an urban or suburban um, housing estate, and we've been feeding them ever since. And I've had up to nine badgers in our in our back garden, right, our small right, right. urban back garden. And because the, the animals learn that that's a friendly space. Yeah, it's a friendly space. Yeah. It's, it's you know they've still got all their heightened senses and everything. So there are certain times if you make a slight noise, they're off because they they're very good at hearing. They can't see very well. Right. So I've been able to video them and shine a torch in them as I'm videoing them. So I've got some really close up footage yeah, of them yeah. because they can't see particularly well. Yeah. But if I've got the wrong deodorant on and it gets too windy, they're yeah. off. So they can smell me. No more links out. Is the tip down there? I mean, clear, clearly, we need to be careful with that. Um, and, and, and I suppose, I suppose, what I want to sort of focus on is the practical stuff that the Wildlife Trust does. So, how does it? You know, what what's the work? What's you, we talked about local practical action earlier? What's the day to day work the trust does? Well, the day to day work of the trust is that we've got um, we've got over two hundred staff. And what we, we, we kind of um, sort of, uh, they're in sort of three or four key areas. Uh, one is education. Mm. Um, so each of our nature discovery centres has an education officer. So we want to uh, inspire the next generation. You know, if we inspire um, a, a six-year-old to be as passionate as I am about wildlife since I was the age of six, um, they could be the next uh, planning officer for a local authority. They could be they could yeah. be work for working for a construction company, yeah. and because they've got a passion for wildlife, they want to think outside the box. Yeah. So we, we want to inspire the next generation. We've also got uh, eighty seven nature reserves. Uh, they need some looking after, some 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 practical management, so that we can maximise the management for wildlife. Eighty seven, of course. Eighty seven nature reserves. Yeah, not over nine thousand acres that we look after. Okay. Um, so obviously that takes a practical input. Is that land owned by the trust? Or is some land... of it, some of it is owned by the trust. Some, some of, of it, it your custodians are yeah, owned by, some, by the Yeah, people. some of it we 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 bought over the years. Some of it we lease uh, from uh, certain organisations, farmers, local authorities. Some of them are um, co uh, co projects with yeah. uh, with local authorities. They have all different so- sorts of ownership, and um, and some of them are just because they back on to other nature reserves you know um, and, and, and other reserves own, own, owned and run by uh, the likes of the National Trust the yeah. Woodland Trust and everything yeah, because true. wildlife doesn't see the borders etc when I mentioned the landscape conservation people, our, our rangers and, and our wardens, etc., I mean they have uh, we have over two thousand volunteers, uh, which again is another uh, big source of uh, of help for the trust. Yeah, yeah. Because if we're trying to clear away invasive species or something like that, and there's only one warden, uh, then it takes a long time. Gotcha. If he's got a, 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 a twenty or so volunteers, yeah. it might be a team of, of retirees. It might be a team from company. Yeah, uh, yeah we yeah. get company volunteers etc um yeah i mean uh, that that helps us so the day-to-day work is just to make sure that we maximize 
um, mm. our sites for, for wildlife conservation. But also we have um, a, an urban engagement officer uh, who goes into into the towns and talks about how they can help uh, okay. rewild their sites, uh, whether it be housing estates, whether it be local authority sites, industrial estates, etc. Mm. We have a living landscapes officer who talks to farmers and big landowners right. about how they can in- enhance the, uh, their their sites for wildlife. I, I, sp- I, sp- I suppose there's the element of, and uh, again, you, you, you'd know more than me on this, but is there the element of, particularly on working farms, sometimes they can see wildlife as a threat to their to their yeah. you know yeah. their their livelihoods or yeah they what's... can and and, it, and it's working with farmers i mean the, th- the thing about essex is that you know it's taken us since 1959 to get 9000 acres under positive conservation but there are some places um using one example like Fowness island for instance where that island with all the mudflats is 30000 acres right um and you know so our 9,000 acres compared to some bigger farms, some local authority ownerships, some mm. some large corporates that own own big areas is small yeah. compared. Yeah, so yeah. we need to work with those landowners in partnerships, in partnerships, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and in education and in and and in mitigation sometimes of some of the things they're doing, because you know if you're a a, a Brent goose, you know you don't know. Whose land you're landing on? Yeah, you know, yeah, they'll yeah. land anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And, you know yeah. it could be you know a, 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 a you know a pea field that the farmer really doesn't want to bring yeah. goose to be on, or it could be our North Fanbridge site where we specifically say. Brent geese are welcome. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. They don't always read the signs. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, we need to train the geese. Yeah, we That's need to train the geese. The geese need the uh, exactly. radio lessons. Exactly. What What's the common misconceptions you find about uh, the both the trust and the work you do? What do people assume you do? I, th- I think I think some sometimes um, you know, uh, as a purist, as somebody who's passionate about nature, they think that that's all we do. Mm. You know, look after nature, mm. and 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 sometimes as a purist, you know, if you wanted to make sure your nature reserves had maximum sort of benefit to nature, sometimes humans are the thing that gets in the way. Gotcha. As I mentioned earlier, with the paths suddenly becoming two meters, yeah, two yeah. meters wide, and everything. So we have to be careful. We have to make sure that we 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 educate people that they can come and see nature. But they've got to be careful about yeah. what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't litter yeah. behind. They don't sort yeah. of. Uh, that. It's, it's about balance. It's about it? that balance yeah. because if we don't get people to see nature, why would they want to conserve it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I use the example of moths. Um, you know, there are only about thirty or so day flying moths. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there are two thousand species of moths. Or more than two thousand species. Amazing. Yeah. But of course, they're all nocturnal. Gotcha. So and the problem is, is that only people like me, who are passionate about wildlife, who sit in the middle of a woods at two o'clock in the morning with some really high-powered uh, torches, or, or put nuts out in your garden waiting for a badger. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, so there's only people like me that sometimes get to see these species. Yeah. So how do we get people to appreciate that? That, that, you know, how they can save or not make sure the 2,000 plus species of moths go extinct. Mm. Well, what we do is we want them to preserve, say, Hockley Woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a, a 600 acre ancient woodland. Yeah, yeah. So if we preserve Hockley Woods, there might be 400 species of moths yeah, in yeah, Hockley yeah. Woods. Yeah. 
Joe Public doesn't need to necessarily know all the 400 species of moths. They just want to make sure we the make sure spaces. that Hockey Woods yeah, is good yeah, for them. Yeah. So talk to me a bit about <coughs> biodiversity then, because I'd imagine you know, keeping these spaces for wildlife to be in is, is good for us, right? Yeah. yeah. Why? Well, the, th- the thing is, I mean, you know, we, we live a very um, frantic life. Um, especially with social media, where everything is instant and everything, yeah. um, well, you can get that. You can get that gratification just by walking yeah. in your local nature reserve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. walking on walking on a sunny day, and you will see dragonflies and butterflies, and it and it's free. Yeah, don't yeah, forget yeah, it doesn't yeah. cost you anything most of the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. You know, so um, and you can breathe clean air and everything, and it's and it's what we you know we we, we seem to forget that much as we surround ourselves with technology and everything, we are still a living, eating yeah animal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got to yeah. realise that we much as we surround ourselves with things, we are still at the same level as them. We're still part of nature. Yeah, yeah, agree. And if yeah. you take away the foundations of some, you know, if you imagine if we had no bees, mm. well, we we actually potentially as a species could starve. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but it is true. Yeah, you know, yeah. there are certain species in this world that if we were to lose them, yeah, then we would have some severe problems ourselves as a species you know take for instance the amount of fish that we automatically just assume we can eat yeah yeah well, yeah but that's, that's those fish have got to come from a biodiverse environment well, they've got to, where yeah they've yeah, got to where, come yeah. from an area where they're they're able to breed yeah, yeah, yeah. because otherwise if we over and uh, well overfishing certain fish breeds is an issue isn't yeah. it you know it's just it's yeah, just absolutely it's just and you know and 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 as a, going back to the brazilian rainforest you know once they are chopped down you know, some of these trees take hundreds of years to grow back. Well, I, th- I think I think the rainforest is a is a really good example of you know over a, a, an intense focus on the needs of humans over and above the longer term nature of the impact on the environment because mm. the amount of you know farmland mm. to for for producing meat that's now yeah. replaced rainforests mm. is is huge isn't it i it, think people it, under it, it, it's it's enormous but 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 people like me who say work at for Essex Wildlife Trust, I, I know that I can't necessarily influence what's happening in the Brazilian rainforest. What I'm hoping is that because there's people like me passionate in Essex, hopefully there'll be people like me who are just as passionate yeah. in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as passionate in uh, in the Philippines yeah, or yeah. Australia yeah. or wherever. I mean, you can only focus on what you can control, right? Yes, and exactly. That's, that's and, and, the and the thing to do is, you know, if you can concentrate on your backyard... And if nine billion of us concentrate yeah. on our backyard, yeah, 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 then yeah. we will succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, um, you can have a positive impact. You can have a positive impact, absolutely. So let's talk practically in terms of how people get involved. So when when you go and speak to companies or individuals about supporting the work you do, how do they get involved? Well, I, I mentioned earlier volunteering. Um, because that's that's very important for us. Um, so if people want to, you know, they, they, you know, if you go through all the 46 wildlife trusts across the across the UK and Scotland and Northern Ireland, um, they'll all have websites. So if you Google search your local county mm. um, wildlife trust, what does volunteering look like? You sign up, and then when there's a project, it, 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 project you decide it, it to can get involved look in like it. it depends on how much time you're willing to give. To be honest, um, so we get volunteers that say they're retirees. 
employees mm. who might attend a work party once a week um, and do it every week religiously. There is this work or a party because there, there is there is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, we've got, yeah, we got to be I mean, careful about I, I, using I, I, that. I think, yeah. I think we just um, need to, to make sure that either it's work or a party. There's, no, I, there's, I no, there's no alcohol involved and no, <laughs> and no cheese and wine. So, <laughs> so what does a work party involve? A work party is literally just. I'm not asking you to make a no, political just, statement. Here, just, no, just a, just a group of people that are set a task uh, each day, uh, or each week, or each month, and it could be the same task because sometimes if it's pulling up an invasive species, then sometimes unless you can eradicate it, that invasive species keeps growing, and you just keep yeah. maintaining it. Is that like, when you talk about invasive species, you talk about weeds that impact... Well, we're, talking, we're talking about species that outcompete our own native species. Gotcha. So there are certain species, uh, like Himalayan balsam, for instance, that can dominate our rivers. Much as they're, they've got a lovely, pretty flower and everything, they... They, they don't then, encourage biodiversity. No, they, they, yeah, they, yeah. they crowd out all of our existing species and everything. So it is, it is trying to get that balance. So, so volunteering is a, is a great way of helping us and it could be on one of one of projects. It could be our nature discovery centres. You know, yeah. you'll get volunteers who just um, are quite happy to serve behind the shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and ring up the um, you know the the the, the, the produce that people are buying. So it could be something like that. Uh, the other way is by membership. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the Wildlife Trust have over eight hundred thousand members. Well, obviously that's an income yep. for each yeah, yeah. each charity. Uh, the corporate membership of Essex Wildlife Trust has four hundred businesses. Again, that's an income yep. uh, for yeah, the yeah. trust. Um, there's a there's a legacy element. So yeah. Um, yeah. so sadly, some of our older members or some of our long term supporters die, yeah. Uh, yeah. as the natural order of things, and they kindly leave us money. Yeah. And uh, and some of that is um, unrestricted, so they don't mind if we spend it on our ongoing conservation work. And some of it might be towards a specific Projects. project that they've You're been involved happy with. That, are you? Yeah, it's we're happy with either. I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. sometimes it helps us if it's unrestricted, purely because it means that we've got a wider, we can go across part. our whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. our whole uh, uh, reach. Uh, if it's too restricted, then we can't always spend it yeah, <laughs> because yeah, we yeah. might not have the projects available. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but we, but we don't get me wrong we're happy happy with either um so so that gives us several income streams etc um but again you know um by people becoming members but involved with us we show them and teach them about wildlife yeah yeah <coughs> and and i suppose the other thing there is in terms of the volunteering element i know you mentioned before that Corporates and business business eaters can get involved in that yeah. as well. Can't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. We yeah. we've just had a uh, a work party from Morgan Sindel. Yeah, yeah. Um, over in uh, Langdon. Uh, I know uh, some of your listeners won't necessarily know where there is, but near near Basildon, uh, we had Essex County Council volunteering with us over at Aberton, yeah, near Colchester. Yeah, yeah. And um, interestingly, as part of com- a, lot, a lot of companies now, and I know because we we've got a really good relationship with a, a sort of local medium sized accountant. Um, Kingston Smith, um, and and they they every year donate a day of their time, yep. and they've got about thirty staff in their office. Donate a day of their time to a good cause. Yep. And I actually think, from a business 
owner perspective, that's an amazing idea. Yeah, because not only does it, you know, you know, if you're a business that focuses on doing a bit of good in the world, that's great. But there's also a bit of team bonding there, yeah. you know, a bit of team co- yeah. cohesion, working on something that, that creates that bond. Just curious on this one, um, what's your favourite animal fact? Uh, favourite animal fact? Yeah. What's the um, bit where you go? Oh, that's interesting. I, I always like. I always like to share that. It's difficult to know because I, because I know so much about <laughs> wildlife. It's actually. It's actually pinning... What's the bit? What's the bit where people just? Go, I didn't know that. You know, like sort of. I can't think of anything off the top. of my I mean, head. I mean, I, 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 while you're while you're thinking yeah. about, it, I will share the one that I learned about bees recently, because I'm. Uh, Chatting to my neighbour, who's the who's the um, new bee uh, honey honey maker and beekeeper, and he's he told me that most bees you buy in the uh, most honey you buy in the shop are fed on sugar. They're not fed on pollen, and uh-huh. it's effectively factory bees creating supermarket honey. And he said, wait until you try the difference yeah. in terms of and there is a real difference mm. in the the subtlety of the taste of actually pollen fed yeah. honey and I, I didn't realise yeah. there was a there and there's was a difference a in flavour depending on where the beehive is located as clearly well. because so it's, lo- it's different flowers yeah, if it's located it? near uh, lavender or if it's located near a heathland yeah. or something like yeah, that you'll, yeah, be, you'll, yeah. you'll get different different flavours yeah so, so that, that's my one most honey you taste doesn't taste like pollen fed honey because it's factory built, yeah. uh, factory factory led. Have you thought of the fact yet? Um, only the fact that a lot of people might not know that male frogs quite often <laughs> don't leave the pond. They don't hi- they don't hibernate away from the pond, and okay. often they'll hibernate actually in the pond itself. Okay, and they'll effectively slow down their body to the point where they're virtually dead. So the heartbeat so underwater. underwater, underwater, and they'll literally sink into the uh, detritus in the bottom of the pond. And even if it, even if it, the pond freezes, they will still survive. That is an amazing fact. I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, talk to me about a little bit about how people can get in touch and find out a, a bit more about the well, trust. Well, from a from a local point of view, uh, I mean, having an unusual name like Grant uh, Mayton, M-A-T-O-N, uh, it's quite easy to find me on yeah. LinkedIn um, uh, and places like that. So if anybody's in Essex that specifically wants to uh, touch base with us, then come through with me. Yep, yeah. Um, and then I'll, uh, and then depending on if it's on the business side, obviously I can talk to you about uh, about that side of things. If it's on the personal side, I'll put you in touch with our membership department. Yeah. If it's on volunteering, I'll put you in touch with our volunteer officer, etc., yeah. etc. Et if it's nature discovery centres, I can put you in touch with the nearest one. If it's further afield then obviously look up your local wildlife trust. And just Google wildlife trust. Yeah, just Google wildlife area. trust. Are they, are they based county by Most county? of them are, yeah. Some of them are blocks of counties. Right. Uh, and some of them are just individual counties. Gotcha. So, but you should be able to find them. But again, if you, if you can't, come through me and I'll signpost you to your nearest wildlife trust. Amazing. Grant. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you for you coming much. on the podcast. Uh, really enjoyed sharing a little bit about the trust. Yeah, and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, letting everybody know about us. Thank you. Cool. So that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, and that, uh, if you haven't uh, listened to part one yet, uh, I should have said this at the start, the uh, second part, really. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you can do all of the 
previous uh, podcast um, episodes, including all the interviews, you can find at www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. You can find them there. Or on any other podcast streaming. On, or any other podcast streaming, Apple, Spotify, all of the good ones, and some of the rubbish ones too. <laughs> um, uh, now, the um, question we asked last week. Oh, sorry, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses. Easy soldier. Go on. Tis the end of another podcast. At the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And we've got some really romantic people out there because last week we asked what's the most romantic thing you've ever done for somebody. Steve Dan, who is the uh, regular contributor to the show and the inventor of the chip loaf, if we remember that. He didn't invent it. He didn't invent it, but he educated me on it, which is pretty good. Uh, Steve Dan said, our first an- on our first anniversary, my wife wanted to go out for an Italian, so I took her to mine. It's quite nice, isn't it? Sharon Adkins got a car full of red balloons. Uh, Tam Kane said, when I was 15, my boyfriend at the time made me a heart-shaped chocolate fudge cake. Craig Kavanagh said, while I was at college, I made a box made of chocolate, and handmade truffles, also a rose made of sugar that my now sister-in-law picked up to show her friends. She dropped it and it shattered on the floor. Um, and Hilary Rowland said her husband proposed on the Orient Express. All very romantic. Love that. Uh, and that's the end of another show. Have a really good week and we'll see you next time on Kindness Project. Bye. Bye.